take a quick break to talk about how you can elevate your facials thanks to the sponsorship of my dreams, Glow Towels by Casey Boone and Glow Skincare LA. I'm pretty sure we all know, love, and follow Casey. She's been one of my biggest inspirations for the longest time. So it is such a dream to be working with her and supporting her. One thing I definitely did not learn in school was that it's all about the little details. These are the things that matter the most in the treatment room. They are your signature. So especially just starting out, I don't think you need the fanciest, newest equipment on the market or every back bar product that the line you work with offers. I think instead you can think really intentionally about the small affordable details people will remember you by, whether it's really crisp taut sheets, having the perfect essential oil diffusing, remembering little details about your client's lives, and velvet soft facial towels that are so easy to maneuver and lay just perfectly on your clients. Quick little story time. I think most of you know I run an all virtual skincare practice. I haven't given a facial this entire pandemic and it's actually kind of sad. So when Casey's little pink package with her glow towels arrived at my door, I got all of those facial butterflies back and I actually borrowed my stepmom's treatment room. She does lashes and I stole her room the other day and gave my boyfriend a facial using Casey's towels. They are a game changer. I want all of you to have these towels. They are super luxurious and just so convenient to handle. I am personally scarred for life from the time I was using a normal facial towel on my client and one of the little loose threads, I'm sure this has happened to all of us, <laughs> at least I hope, it caught on her earring and I just whipped it right off accidentally. She was okay, but I was forever traumatized by that experience that will not happen with Casey's towels. Dylan actually passed out like three minutes into the facial. I wrapped him up in his warm little glow towel cocoon and he just fell right asleep. Coincidence or glow towel magic? I don't know. You guys might have to try and decide for yourself. The glow towels are a treatment room must-have for every esthetician. They are made from the softest microfiber material, and they cover the face, neck, and decollete with one easy-to-use towel, so you don't need two towels for the face and the neck area. Glow Skincare even offers wholesale pricing as well as a monthly subscription, so three fresh towels are delivered to your door, so you never have to worry about running out of towels again, which used to happen to me all the time. You can save time, money, and laundry. Every esthetician's dream. I know you guys are working hard and you're super busy building your empire and you deserve the best of the best. You can shop Casey's towels at glowskincarela.com. I'll pop that information in the show notes so you can easily find it and happy facialing. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to The Treatment Room, everyone. I'm your host, 
Tessa Zolli. I know many of you listening have an interest in medical aesthetics, and this episode is for you. You will appreciate it. Today, I'm chatting with Lisa Goodman, founder of Good Skin Clinics, the future forward bi-coastal cosmetic boutique, changing the way you think about traditional med spas. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, of course. We're so happy to have you. Lisa, can you start us off telling us a little bit of background on you and how you got into aesthetics? I, um, it was happenstance, number one. Um, but my, from a really early age, um, my mom had got a skin condition called vitiligo when I was around, I don't know, 14. And I saw how much it impacted uh, a skin condition impacted about the, how the way she felt about herself. And so I always then knew that I wanted to go into dermatology, which at that time, uh, Botox was barely, barely not, uh, Botox was not even around at 14 uh, when I was 14. Um, but I did know that, that dermatology mattered to me. And so I was always interested in dermatology and medicine. And then when I was, um, and I'm from Los Angeles. And then when I was around 23, I landed a job. And after I got out of my uh, postgraduate work, I landed a job in at the time, what was LA, one of LA's like top dermatology clinics. And, Mm -hmm. um, basically started learning dermatology and lasers were just starting to become really popular and Botox. And, but I was really mostly interested in medical dermatology and, um, I ran the acne clinic there and we had over 20 lasers at one point. So had a lot of laser experience and I liked the injections, but I felt that I wasn't quite convinced about the injections because I felt that, um, my experience in the world at at one of the premier offices in Los Angeles was that we were seeing all the celebrities in the early 2000s. And um, they, I, I, my opinion as a, as a young, naive 20 something was that they didn't necessarily look completely better over time or the same. And so I kind of thought like, why do people do this stuff? And, you know, and I was like, I was also in my twenties, which is a a very common time where sometimes people say like, oh, I'll never need anything. I'll never, that wasn't me. I never said like, oh, I'll never need anything. I just, Mm -hmm. it just didn't really fundamentally see the supreme value. So I, so I did like partial cosmetic work. Um, and I also really thought like, well, if I'm working at the best of the best office and this is how they're doing it, well then like what else is there to learn? <laughs> how else is there to do sure. it? Yeah. Um, and then fast forward, I was going through a divorce and ended up dating a uh, French plastic surgeon uh, when I was like 31 or 30 and did a summer in, in, in France and basically was exposed to their, they don't have many spas, but I was exposed to their kind of cosmetic vision and um, still naive, came back and was I, I was like, oh my God, I have found the secret why French women don't look injected and and everyone's gonna wanna know. And I, and I really yeah. felt like, oh my God, my mentor, my boss of 10 years, cause I never wanted to open my own spot. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I thought like, oh man, she's gonna, she's gonna like, we're gonna have the secret and she's gonna, we're gonna do it together. And like, 
and you know, we just, it didn't fit. It didn't fit her, 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 uh, business model at the time. So I decided to open my own clinic because I felt like I couldn't go back to practicing the way that I had been. And I wasn't able to, in my current, uh, working environment, it wasn't, it wasn't a space that supported the style of practice that I wanted to do, which was, um, a lot more consultative and diagnostic before injecting. Um, the kind of classic American way of injection is that you go into a clinic, you ask for a trend or your cheeks or your lips, and you feel comfortable because you get these micro injections. Um, but I had seen micro injections add up to not really great injections time and time again. Hmm. So um, the the French model was more consultative diagnostic and then, and then actual like more full treatments, not actually micro treatments. And so I opened the first clinic at 31, um, which was like seven years ago and thought like, no, one's going to understand. It's going to be tiny. I'll have one receptionist to make coffee. And if it fails, I'll work in the ER. And, uh, (laughs) And then it, it, we're still standing. Yeah. It it grew within like the, the running joke in the office is that the girl that I hired to, to make coffee was like the office manager within a month and was hiring like two other, like it was basically just like a really surprised. I was surprised that LA um, was ready for it, but, but they were, and now we're two clinics later. So yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay, so I feel like you said so much good stuff there. I want to kind of unpack. When it comes to good skin, at your core, how would you say you are different from most medical spas? Yeah, so the there's gonna I want to like preface by saying there's there's going to be when I'm talking about like, what's common, I'm talking about what's common. So if anyone's listening to this, who's, I know there's mm-hmm. medic spa owners listening to this and they're like, Oh, I, well, that's not us. Like amazing. <laughs> I'm just speaking of like, what are the most, like my common experiences, um, in Los Angeles and New York is that, uh, and, and for most of America is that our direction with medi spas has been, um, again, favoring a micro injection approach, like small amounts of Botox or small amounts of filler. And it's kind of been aimed at that in order to uh, help people not be afraid. And yep, that's uh, me. (laughs) So I think it's been a really interesting marketing tool. But like I said, like I saw how in person, in practice, that was going on, that micro injection was going on for years and actually then not yielding natural looking faces. So I, I like I had this weird experience where I saw that for 10 years. So I was already like, well, this this is a marketing tool that's not really actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's how most American clinics run. Um, Europe doesn't really and I can I really can speak for France and Switzerland. because That's where I spent most of my um, time in life was they they don't have many spas really quite yet. Um, London does, but not not you still have more medical based offices and also in france you you cannot market on instagram and these platforms and so you Mm. don't have a culture of following trends with Mm -hmm. lips or cheeks or like just kind of a trend-based culture that we do in america and so you have more thoughtful treatment planning happening with these injectables The, the injectables are 
uh, thought of less like a trend, less of a less of a quick fix, and less of a micro, and more of mm-hmm. a let's actually be more holistic, take it a step back, figure out what your source of aging is, and then thoughtfully make a plan to correct that with the proper tool, be it uh, an injection, be it a laser, be it a thread, you know. So um, uh, the the good skin way is more diagnostic, more find the problem and then work to work for the solution. Oh, okay. Versus, yeah. Yeah. So we always yeah. say science first, beauty second here. And it works. Amazing. What would be an example of perhaps somebody who comes into your clinic and a way you would correct or prescribe a plan to treat their concerns? Yeah. So I actually specialize now in corrections. Um, and I'd say that um, corrections are not simple, but are doable. So I don't want to make anyone feel, you know, sad. <laughs> not yeah. simple, but doable. So I do recommend like, um, depending on what your what you subscribe to, I think like starting out with a clinic that that does kind of fit your ethos is much easier than correcting. Um, and a correction plan will look really different than like a new client plan, number one. So let's let's talk with them about a new client plan because a correction plan okay. will be like more. Sure. <laughs> yeah, correction can be kind of involved. Um, a new client plan would be they come in, they have two sets of diagnostic photos taken. One is with a 3D system that allows us to evaluate asymmetries of the face. Another is with a, um, a, a very, you know, the thing about cameras and lighting is that you have to go out of your way to make it realistic. And so mm-hmm. we had a photo room set up by a Hollywood lighting director uh, so that we could actually assure that the photo we were looking at was actually what someone looks like in real life. Mm-hmm. So we have these very um, accurate sets of photos that I use as a diagnostic tool to explain to the client. And I would say that they're more of a tool. And then the real secret magic is in the practitioners. We all actually train abroad. There is a uh, advanced learning course that we all take in the Netherlands in which we train on cadavers. And it's very um, heavy in anatomy. And so we palpate the face, which basically is just a big word for feel the face. And we look for bone, muscle, skin, fat, and fascia, and we feel for what those things are on that individual person. And if anyone's curious about, about what I'm saying now, we have a YouTube video that we give like a nice little 101 on how to do it yourself um, at Good Skin Clinics. So we feel for those things. And we ask a thorough medical history about like, how did their parents age? What ethnicity are they? Because at different ethnicities will age differently. And also, like, what their social history is. Do they sleep? How is their diet? Um, trying to figure out kind of their rate of aging. And then we make a plan and we prioritize because I think that one thing we're not here to do is make anyone feel bad or feel overwhelmed. <laughs> so um, we do our best to um, help it feel manageable and um, doable and uh, empowered, I would say, you know, like you, you do have control over your rate of aging and here's the things that we can do to help you slow it down. And some people will have more bone issues. Some people will have more fascia issues. And that's where 
when you diagnose properly and you solve problems, the client tends to be happier with the results based on what they're spending because you're you're actually targeting the problem. So you're fixing things and also you're not changing the way they look because you're restoring um, issues to their face. So did that did that make sense? Was that clear? Yes, enough? yes, that was amazing. I I mean, I even had no idea there was so much at play when it comes to bone and muscle tissue and fascia and all that. I wanted to ask because I know you said it's not about trends for you. You're not just handing out, you know, the most popular treatment of the moment. But do you have any favorite treatments or or treatments you see yielding the best results when it comes to your anti-aging clients? Oh my God, that's a great question. <laughs> um, there's a couple things across the board that we do talk about in the office that are kind of universal. Um, I mean, there are some things like we all lose bone with age. So in my office, we're kind of obsessed with bone even more than fat. Cause it's like, if you have great, you look at, I love anthropology. So if you look at Nordic, you think of these uh, supermodels, the way they age, they deal with volume loss, but they have all this really beautiful bone just holding the face up. So my clinics, we're not obsessed with erasing wrinkles or really filling up the face. We're more obsessed with lifting the face. And so if you help people hold on to their bone structure, because no one escapes aging, not, not even the most beautiful people you've seen. I won't name names, but no one escapes <laughs> it and everyone works on it. Yeah. And I've seen firsthand. So I always do also tell women like, you are normal. They are not just drinking green juice. And I can assure you <laughs> that everyone is doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very private about our clients, but I think it's really important for women to make other women feel that it's, there's nothing genetically wrong with them if they're aging, you know? Um, so with that, there's a treatment called tacking in which we use a more bony type structural filler to lift and support the muscles that are falling. This sounds very technical and complicated, but basically we're putting a more bony type filler down on bone under muscle on the cheek area. And what that does is that instead of just having a cheek filler, you actually have a cheek filler that is providing lift because it's under the muscle. And so you create lift to surrounding structures versus just a cheek if that makes sense. Mm. So um, that is a technique in our office that is called tacking. We are, are known for that. Um, we have a lot of clients come in and request that. They'll say, oh, my friend had tacking. And we'll say, okay, you know, they'll say, can I have tacking? And then we're like, okay, well, let's diagnose you and make sure yeah. that it's going to be yeah. good for you and also worth your money and all that. Um, but that is, that is a, for most everyone, a very universal need. Um, and it does offer really different results than just simply cheek filler. Um, and that's where I think technique and product choice, you can get very, you can, you can get very different results. So. Yes. Yes. I love that you said that. I think that's a great takeaway for anybody listening who's, who is a beauty professional, because we all can provide better quality of care by personalizing and, and looking at the root issue, as you mentioned, and, and not just pre- prescribing the same treatment plan because it's what somebody asked for or it's what their friend had or or what they saw on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I always think like, why did we go to th- so much schooling if we were going to just do the same thing all day? <laughs> and yeah. it's so boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, so. Um, something that also caught my eye on your website 
was it seems like you have a pretty unique approach when it comes to Botox. I I saw you mentioned Botox muscle retraining. Can you explain a little bit more? Sure. This one I'm obsessed with too. So I saw this. Yeah, I saw this. Actually, there's a very famous Brazilian doctor that that treats around the world, and um, his name is Dr. DeMaio. There's going to be people listening to this that know know him and will say, "Oh yeah, I took his course." Anyhow. there's kind of like two ideas with using Botox and they're both correct. They're both right. One is that you use Botox to erase wrinkles. And then the other is that you use Botox to change muscle memory. And I think most of us are familiar with muscle memory. And um, this is where I'm obsessed with Botox because I think that there's a long-term value here. And my Mm. aesthetic opinion, which not everyone needs to agree with, but my aesthetic opinion is that like a certain amount of wrinkles do look good and do are, are earned and mm-hmm. are um, a value for our clients. Um, and so we're not really using wrinkle or Botox to erase all wrinkles. We're using Botox to help support, again, that word lift. We try to keep the face more lifted and feeling um, up. And so we have muscles of our face that pull up and muscles of our face that pull down. We in our office go out of our way to retrain with Botox the muscles of the face that are pulling down. And what that really means is that we put higher doses of Botox in down muscles so that the face will stay lifted longer and so that the clients don't have to come to us as often because we're changing the actual functional anatomy of the muscle. Um, which is a funny business proposal, like, you know, come see us less often (laughs) for Botox. But again, I kind of just, it's like the ethos of like, this is what I think is uh, a value add and, um, and, and also can help the client, you know, a lot of our muscles that pull down, my father is a psychologist at UCLA. My brother's a sports chiropractor. Like, a lot of the muscles of the face that pull down, like the platysma, or um, they they don't help with as they get stronger. It kind of kills your posture, and also mentally are tend to be like the muscles of sadness, like the corners yeah. of the mouth pull down, yeah. the corner, and then yeah. sag. The the eyebrows pull down. You feel a little sad or angry. So, um, so we see more value in using Botox like that than using Botox to erase wrinkles. Ah, okay. Um, a question I have is, what do you do when you get that client who is obsessed with erasing wrinkles, but they come to you asking for that type of service? How do you handle that? Yeah. So, I mean, another great question. So this is actually, we um, believe in working as a team in my office. So we have a weekly provider uh, partner meeting and we go over our cases together. And this is something that we we share clients and we uh, we think we're better together. And um, mm. we share clients and we, dis- we discuss this and we discuss if we think that we can educate a naive, there's gonna be the client that is um, a naive client that we will try to educate if they want to be educated. And then if there's a client though, that we feel that it, the again that we won't be able to meet their expectations we do think that it's best that we refer them to one of our 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 friends our partners clinics really because as much as this is my ethos and my 
standards for the offices and my partner standards. We all believe in the same thing and practice the same way. Um, we do think that, you know, it's your body, your choice. And if that's what you want, we wholly support that. And, you know, we'll can help refer you to a place that can do that for you. Um, so try to not be too dogmatic, but we do in my, in our clinics, we do really stick to that, um, that we all believe in what we're doing here. And so it's not hard to say no, really. Mm, I think that's a really good point. And that probably comes with time and experience. I have a lot of newer estheticians and, and beauty professionals listening and who just reach out to me in general saying they have a hard time kind of saying no or pushing back on. I don't know if you have ever had an experience with those clients who almost try to direct you or yeah. tell you how to do your job. I mean, it's, you kind of almost need, you don't need to do anything, but like what's helpful for me is finding the source. If you're, if you're saying no, cause you just want to say no, right. Cause there's some people yeah. you're like, oh, you're pushing me. So I just want to push back. Like sure, that's a really different source than where you're like, I'm saying no. Cause I really believe that this is the best course of action for you. And it's okay. Mm. If you don't agree with me, because again, it's your, your body, your choice and your, where you're at. You know, you're not, I'm not here to control their journey. I'm not here to make their decisions. Um, so if you're finding it from a place of that, this is your, uh, again, I, the ethos, this is your direction. This is what, this is how you practice. I think that that, that's, that every time you say no, you do create more space for the client that is ready to be with you. And so if there's another, like, it comes back to like that, that belief in abundance, like, yeah, you're going to say no, but that, that, that that no will, um, it will bring more people in that are going to be ready to, that are hearing the way you practice. But I, I think it's important too, to like, we do, we all, we are like, let we say no from a place of kindness, you know, we're not mm -hmm. here to just be like, no, you don't, you don't believe in it. Go to another clinic. You know, we're, we're trying to come at it from softness. Yes. So yeah. I'm trying to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have a really impressive client retention rate. You have like an 80%, I think, client retention rate. We do have a high retention rate. Do you have any tips for other spa owners as far as retaining that? Um, well, you know, what's interesting is that I think that, that there is every business has a different model and that's, that's great too, right? Like there are some business models that don't need or it wouldn't work for them to have such a high retention rate. Mm -hmm. um, because if you have a high retention rate, you're also limited to how many new patients you can take, right? So that's kind of like our our big, biggest struggle is we're just actually now limited by providers. Yeah. Um, so my first thing is like, again, that's maybe not every business model would that work for. Um, now for the person who does want that business model um, of, just more retention. I, I think like, well, why would I stay with a clinic? Like why other than obviously we form bonds with people, um, what value are we providing to the client besides a relationship? Because we are still providing a service. And I think that uh, I tried to never lose sight of that because as much as I'm here to provide a safe relationship for the client, I, I am not, I, I number one am providing a service and aim to provide a great service experience and results every time. 
regardless of the client relationship. And so I think that that retention rate comes from always focusing back on like the, the result, what we're working mm-hmm. on um, and not, and not just getting too much into the relationship, which I see some clinics do. And then asking yourself, well, why is the client coming? Like, again, take the relationship out. Why is the client coming back? And we provide a lot of um, follow-up support in terms of we will, I have clients that were about to start releasing photos on their 10 years with Good Skin or 10 years with us. And oh, wow. Yeah. That would be <laughs> so, so cool to see. It's so cool. And it's so cool. I mean, you we track our own work through these really detailed photos and um, and it allows us to really say, to like hold our all, hold ourselves honest about the results we are delivering. And that I, that is a, a large reason for our client retention rate is that we are this this place of realistic results and there's a level of transparency here that we're like oh you know what that that's amazing we're going to continue to do that or you know what like mm, that that's good but we can adjust a little so let's like mm-hmm. maybe so so there's that like that level of a place that's tracking them and caring so. I think I think um, if it's right for the model of the med spa, definitely bringing that on is helpful. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense, and I love what you said about transparency and even just you know evaluating as you go and not being afraid to say, yeah, that was good, but I think we can try something else that would yield even better results. Yeah, I mean it's still a practice of medicine, and I do try to I mean remind all clients of that too. It's not, it is the human body. And um, not everything will respond the same way every way, every time. (laughs) Sure. When it comes to to filler and somebody coming in for their first time, maybe somebody who, you know, isn't sure if it's if it's right for them. How do you assess if it is right for that person and maybe if there's somebody who is a little bit nervous or on the fence, how do you get them to their goals without compromising, you know, any feelings they might have? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think an example of this is, um, remember, we we have a, a couple clients come in here in this situation where... We have one client, she really had, uh, her diagnosis is that she has volume loss under her eyes. She's terrified of filler because she's seen other things on her friends and mom or something like that. Yeah. And, and so she really wanted lasers. She wanted lasers. She wanted us to tell her lasers could correct her issue. And, and we just probably said like, we have to constantly bring it back to the diagnosis as much as you want us to jump in your, the emotional boat with you of fear we're going to just take it a step back at like the diagnosis because it's still our job and role is to provide standard of care. That's a, that's correct. So for example, this client, we, we told her we'd love, of course, yes, your second priority of science of aging is that your skin could be um, less, have less sun damage and more tight. So we can work on your skin with you. Mm-hmm. However, we need to be really clear that, your skin issue will not solve your volume loss issue. And so when you're ready to let us correct your volume loss issue under your eyes, that's when we can actually um, help provide you those results that you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. and, in, and until then, we're happy to help you with your skin. But so you see, we're, 
we're bringing it back to diagnosis. We're not getting into the emotional problem with the client. And then we're allowing them space to be ready for it when they're ready. So we're setting clear expectations and, and yet giving them the space. And yeah. Just, right. Yeah. So, and when you are setting those expectations, are there certain people you feel like filler is not a fit for? Uh, no, because uh, it, it's back to diagnosis. If the diagnosis is a bone or volume issue, then then everyone's a candidate. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever had a candidate, a person who was not a fit for, for filler. It, it, I've had occasional, like much, much older clients. Like I, I mostly treat people between 50 to 90 or 85 kind of thing. Okay. And um, as you get, as the tissue gets looser, sometimes fillers do become more difficult to work with because there's more uh, drift. Um, and so then I might say that's when it been one of the only situations where I felt like someone wasn't a candidate for filler was because there were mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. factors that were going to make it that the filler couldn't do the job as well. Um, but that's really kind of it, you know, even clients that have autoimmune issues, you do want to be more aware of what kind of filler you use, but even those clients can still use filler. Yeah, I I wanted to ask you that because I am a fellow autoimmune person, but I just hit 30 over quarantine. And of course, I have all this time at home in the mirror. I'm on social media a bunch taking photos. So it's something I've been curious about, but yeah, have also heard that you really have to be careful with the choice of filler. Yeah, I mean, I just cl- my I can only share with you my clinical experience, and again, someone else might have a different one. You know, like I've mm-hmm. been practicing now for twelve years, maybe longer, but somewhere around there. And um, my clinical experience is that my mom has autoimmune. My office manager in New York has autoimmune. Um, you may never have a reaction to a longer lasting filler if you have autoimmune. My mom, my mother never has. However, it is a possibility that's on the table because the longer lasting mm-hmm. fillers are cross-linked in a way that your body might respond to them as more of an implant if your inflammation is mm-hmm. is flaring. Mm-hmm. So um, we have one autoimmune client that she's like, I prefer the long lasting. And yeah, occasionally I get this little flare up of like inflammation and kind of puffiness and I get back on my it signals to me that I need to get all my uh, inflammatory factors down and I get better about my diet and I get better about my, my lifestyle and my stress. And so she uses it as a gauge. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's other clients that are like, absolutely not. If that ever happens, I'm going to freak out. And so Mm -hmm. I, I'll stick with short lasting. So I I think it's just important to just educate the client and make it their choice. Mm, Okay. What would be some alternatives to filler for somebody who is just, just curious about something else. Yeah, just doesn't. Yeah, um, we could use. Oh, well, there are other things I do use. I do now use Sculptra. Well, I've used Sculptra for a long time. Although I think there there is an idea that you can sculpt with Sculptra, and you you can to a degree, but not fully. So um, again, Sculptra for me is going to help with bone, but it's not actually going to be this very sculpting thing. But you can definitely use Sculptra, which is a collagen stimulator and does help improve the skin and create some volume. You can also use Renuva, which is autologous fat from a cadaver source uh, that I use. um, And that is 
actually semi-permanent because it is actually fat. Um, that is, a, an, again, great, but it's fat, right? So it's, it's still mm. not bony. Um, and I also now use uh, fetal stem cells or um, PRP or growth factors. I love those things, although they have their limits. And so mm -hmm. I think that someone can be using that. But if someone really has a bony issue, we just have to really educate them that like those things can help and slow down your rate of aging and rejuvenate and uh, rejuvenation or sorry, I should say regenerative medicine is essential if you're wanting to like have the whole picture of slowing down your aging, but it still, it mm -hmm. still cannot correct everything. And so mm -hmm. a, a bony structure loss is still a bony loss that needs, in my opinion, um, filler really, okay. if you can. Okay. Yeah. So you're a filler fan. I don't see why not to be if used. Yeah. I, again, I, I know a lot of people that are terrified and I'm like, I, maybe I would be scared if I didn't know our clinics results too, but like, just go look at our before and after photos. They're all real. And, uh, fillers don't have to be scary when used in a diagnostic way. When it comes to aging, are there certain areas of the face that you see affected first or just, you know, start to, change before other areas when these products started to come around you have now allergan a billion dollar industry investing in the study of aging and so when i first started out we didn't have as much information on the science of aging as we do now um but there yeah. is actually like clear science to this that as clinicians we can all follow and use it as a navigational guide and i think that's really important um mm. and one of those things that we 100% know is the the under eyes do lose volume first. So even mm -hmm. starting in your early 20s, um, that does lose volume first. And then you do start to lose volume from basically kind of like the sides of your face in. Um, mm -hmm. But there is actually a science to what does age first and it's under your eyes. Wow. Do you have any tips for as far as how to take care of the under eye earlier on in your life? Yeah. Um, they also released, this is a long time ago, but we do know that radiation is, I think a lot of us think of sun as just impacting our skin, but they did a trucker study um, where like they basically proved that the radiation decreases your fat. And so sunscreen early on is obviously really essential and also healthy living. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I definitely do see mental illness and also bodily illness increase the rate of tissue aging. Now, I, no one should be afraid because we all deal with these things and we all have periods of life that are normal. You know, you, it's almost like if you then obsess on stabilizing like your physical and mental health all the time, that's another problem, right? right? <laughs> yeah. You're obsessing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so the goal is like not, not to like now I met a girl once who was like, I don't want to have a wrinkle, so I'm just never going to smile. And I was like, okay, well now we're in a whole other area <laughs> yeah. of obsessing. Right. Right. So I, it's, it's just like mindfulness, balance. Those are words that mm. we use a lot now and they do uh -huh. help and they do matter. Um, and, and, you know, doing your best, like, but there's times to have fun. There's times to like go out with yeah. your friends and yeah. maybe drink too much. Right. And that's a value to like aging more slowly as well. Cause you're creating endorphins and you're really, you're bonding, having oxytocin. Those are all valuable things. 
Um, but on a very simple level, sunscreen. Mm, okay. Yeah. I love that perspective. So, okay. We talked about under eyes, another area of the face. I think I get a lot of questions about from clients is neck, chin, and sort of jowling. How yeah. can we, how can we be more preventative about treating the area and what would be some more proactive options for people who are bothered by those areas? Yeah. I, and more clinics should be using, can be, not should be, can be using neck Botox more aggressively and yet safely. Um, a lot of us are sit on our phones and so we have overactive platysmas, grind our teeth, the chin becomes more active. It's basically this like whole triad of poor posture. And so a lot of people, I, I also think like you've seen it too. It's like people care about the neck when it's too late. So (laughs) I just got my first uh, neck Botox this year from all that looking down at my phone. So yeah, I pulled it up now. It helps. I'm almost 40 and and my neck looks, um, I started with neck Botox at like 27 when people thought, Oh, who cares? And it's sure. really been helpful for my posture. I, I use a lot less neck Botox than I did at that age now. And um, it's made me more aware. But I, I think number one, Botox. Number two, early skincare intervention. And number three, I see a lot of people that like, they just want to laser their face. And I'm like, absolutely mm-hmm. laser your neck. The neck skin mm-hmm. is the same mm-hmm. skin that's under the eyes. There's no oil glands. And so it, it really, once it ages, it ages quickly. Mm. That's a good point. Okay. And I, I like that you touched on skincare. Is that something you work with in your office to produce results? We do. I'm obviously what people do at home, mental health, physical health, the daily routine of skincare matters. Um, I I think it's again, that there's skincare for everyone. There's going to be times in your life where you can do 10 steps. There's going to be times in your life where you can do two, Mm -hmm. but, um, doing something, is better than doing nothing. <laughs> and uh, we are partners with Biologique Recherche, which is a cold pressed botanical line out of France that I became obsessed with when I lived there. And um, we're also launching our own skincare later this fall. It's based on clinical level results and basically things that I couldn't find anywhere else. So oh, I spent the last exciting. few years developing that and I'm really excited to get to share that soon enough. Amazing. Okay. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. When it comes to aging secrets outside of outside of clinical care, do you have any more holistic aging secrets you could pass on? Uh, have fun. Don't obsess. <laughs> It's like, um, I come from a family of mental health professionals and, uh, yeah, uh, it's funny. It's like, you'd almost think someone would tell you like, do more, spend more time on like your 10 steps. I, um, no, I think there's a healthy, there's a, there's a place to do that. I, I, even myself, like I, I, I am a, I am a patient of my own clinic, meaning like I don't evaluate my face until I have a practitioner that's here with my photos doing a diagnosis. And then I take that quarterly time to Hmm. make my plan and do my treatments. And I do it. It's almost like going to a therapy office. It's like I take care of myself within this space. Yeah. Yeah. And then I let it go. And then I do my skincare regimen and I eat healthy and I try to have fun and try to have balance. 
um, that that is what I've seen help people. I've definitely seen and and also getting mentally well as best they can, um, which has been a big thing all year for all of us. And I know we all we're all have ups and downs and yeah. So, would you say stress is something you see? visibly affect the skin and and just volume and aging in general it is but the answer is not like okay so stress affects us let's never have stress right <laughs> like you can't yeah. go around trying to not possible all stress <laughs> you're just like you'll never live and then you won't have you never live and you never have like i said those other things of oxytocin yeah. and orphans and sure it's almost like accept that there's stress in life right accept it and that also too, you can look at things and say, okay, well, kind of like this might be too much stress, or this is something that I need to go through and it's stressful and I will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you limit where you can and you accept where you need to, is my opinion on that. Yeah, very well said. I love that. You have a lot of unique perspectives. I feel like I'm learning a lot. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay, before we go, what is one tip you would pass on to somebody who is wanting to get into medical aesthetics and, and maybe get their first job? What's a tip you would have for somebody? Oh, um, there's some great uh, training. There's a Monaco anti-aging conference that generally is held yearly. And I think there's a really valuable place to go and start to, like, I took as many extra curricular training courses as I could. And just to like see as many people practicing different ways. And just because I practice this way, I don't think it's for everyone. I think that you should find the way that you really believe in practicing. And then like, and again, look at other people, go to a bunch of training courses and then, and then kind of like get into, so, so like get your bottom level understanding and education. Mm -hmm. And then maybe once once you decide what that is like your the the way you want to practice then try to seek out a clinic that's practicing that way and so you know even like for me if if um uh for if for people to email me like we keep resumes on hand for when we're expanding for people that already want to practice the way we do so again like be proactive and reach out to clinics that are already practicing the way you want to practice hmm. yeah i love that advice i think especially when you're newer or you're still in school, you tend to think like you're looking for the right or the wrong in skincare. And I try to always say it's not always about like black or white. There's just, you know, that's the beauty of the beauty industry. There's different perspectives and different philosophies you can adapt and things you'll learn along the way. And you might like one approach when you learn about it and and see how that fits your clientele and you see patterns and kind of develop your own philosophy. So I love that you said that. Yeah. And and if you need to change at some point, you change, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on and, and sharing all that you did. I'm really excited for this episode and I think there's a lot of value here. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. It's always fun to talk about what you love to do. So, Oh, yeah. Of course. Good. Where can everybody find you, Lisa, whether it is to book an appointment with you or just to learn more about the services you offer? Yeah. So um, at this point, I actually have a a whole partner partners and um, they are seeing the majority of the clients. And I always tell people because I have old friends and I'm like, 
they they're like how can i see you? and i'm like i promise see, see one of my partners you're gonna be we all work together and so that's kind of like step one and step two is our our website is goodskinclinics.com we have a clinic in los angeles in the brentwood area but we service the whole area we have a lot of clients that fly in and we take care of people from hawaii to uh, a lot of a lot of travelers and um, and then New York in the NoHo area and our Instagram if anyone would like to see more before and afters is Good Skin Clinics and again there's also a lot of before and afters on our website just showing the quality of our work so GoodSkinClinics.com and that's with an S. Perfect. I'm going to put that in the show notes so everybody can easily find it. I know we all love a good before and after, so you guys will have to check that out. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you in the next episode.